Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. At the seminary in St. Louis, one of the opportunities that the fourth year guys have is to preach for chapel. Each year the guys are asked if they would be willing to preach. By their fourth year it should be pretty natural to write a sermon from a given text and then proclaim that good news about Jesus. After all, they've just come back from their vicarage year where they've written and preached roughly 30 sermons or more, give or take. So it should be a piece of cake, right? Wrong. Why is that? Because there's a big difference between preaching to a congregation full of people and preaching to classmates and professors. Professors who decide whether or not you graduate or not. Whether you get to become a pastor. So what's the difference? Why that difference? The difference is doubt. Doubt begins to creep in because the professors have that say in whether or not a student's going to graduate. And some of you have experienced something similar to that. Whether it was when you stood right here and read your affirmation of faith for confirmation essay. Or you prepared an important presentation for work and you had to speak in front of your boss, your co-workers, and possibly a client and or customer. Or perhaps you played a part in a school play or participated in a sporting event like basketball or volleyball or soccer. And the moment came for you to say your lines or shoot a free throw or serve that volleyball, or kick that free kick. And then doubt crept in. And you weren't quite sure that you could do it. In our Gospel reading for today from John chapter 20, doubt had crept in on one of the disciples. It was the night of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and His followers had all gathered together in one place. But one guy was not there. Thomas is not there. We don't know where Thomas was. The Scriptures don't tell us. Perhaps he was at Sandy's Donuts waiting for it to open or went to Hornbacher's to pick up some provisions. Possibly. I don't know. But we don't know where Thomas was for sure. But we know that he wasn't there. When all of a sudden... Jesus appears. The risen Christ is there in their midst and says, Peace be with you. And then He breathed on them. That must have been an amazing moment. They had heard from the women that Jesus had risen from the dead and a couple of them had run to the tomb to see the grave clothes that were lying there. But to see Jesus in the flesh before them? 
That must have been pretty amazing. But then Jesus goes away. And Thomas eventually returns, and the disciples tell him, We have seen the Lord. Now Thomas, he just thinks they're out of their minds. And Jesus lets him marinate in his doubt for a whole week before he decides to show himself again. You know, it's too bad that Simon Peter hadn't written his letter, that first letter by then. Because Thomas could have sure used these powerful words from chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, to remove that doubt about Jesus' resurrection. Hear again what he wrote. According to His great mercy, He, that is Jesus, has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then moving down to verse 8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with that joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Fast forward 20 plus centuries. Today, we still live in a world of doubting Thomases, don't we? People who question. People who wonder. Several years ago, before COVID, there was a National Geographic, and on that cover it said, The War on Science. That's an interesting title, isn't it? And the accompanying cover story says this, We live in an age when all manners of scientific knowledge, whether from safety of fluoride and vaccines to the reality of climate change, faces organized and often furious opposition. Empowered by their own sources of information and their interpretation of research, doubters have declared war on the consensus of experts. And then it said this, In this bewildering world, we have to decide what to believe and then act on that. Indeed, we do. We live in a world, it seems, with more and more doubters. More and more doubters. I'm not talking about science now, am I? How about you? How about you? Have you ever doubted what's in the Scriptures? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever questioned? Now, I know what some of you are saying right now. Well, I'm a Christian and I can't have any doubts. But have you wondered if it's all real? If it's all true? Isn't it interesting that the Scriptures are filled with numerous doubters? I think that's good news for us. 
Think about Abraham and Sarah. How they doubted that they could give birth to a son in their old age. And then there's Moses. Moses and his doubts of speaking before Pharaoh and leading the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Or what about John the Baptist? As he wallowed in prison, sending him messengers to ask Jesus if he was the one or should they wait for another? And now this morning we have Doubting Thomas. It seems to me that these scriptures and others show us that God is okay with doubts, with questions, and with wondering as long as those doubts lead us deeper into His scriptures and closer to Him. You and I live in a world of doubters, don't we? And we as ambassadors for Christ will have friends and loved ones and co-workers come to us with their questions and their doubts. And all we need to do is show them the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. Show them His pierced side. These are signs of love. Even for doubters. So today, let's take a look at three doubts some people have about the resurrection of Jesus. Some people just straight up doubt the miracle of Jesus' resurrection. They think that Jesus couldn't have risen from the dead. After all, dead hearts don't just start beating again. Dead eyes don't just start seeing again. Dead hands don't just start grasping and loving again. And so people doubt in the miracle of the resurrection. But remember this. At the center of every New Testament sermon is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And witness after witness in the Scriptures is a witness to His resurrection. The validity that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the miracle of the resurrection. Now, if you can get over that hump and believe in the miracle of the resurrection, there are people who have a hard time with the meaning of the resurrection. We who walk by faith know Jesus had to die. We don't just say that He died He had to die. And He gave His life for the whole world. He gave it willingly. He died in our place so that we might have life. The meaning of the resurrection is this, that sin no longer has a hold on us, that Jesus has conquered death itself, and we can live in His love. Some people are okay with the resurrection and the meaning of the resurrection, but they doubt the life-changing reality of the resurrection. You see, if you miss that, it's as if Jesus was still dead. Because the reality is Jesus came and He conquered death on death's own battlefield. 
He rose again on Easter to give us new life. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. And the kind of life he gives us is that new and abundant life that overflows with joy, peace, and hope. Jesus rose again that we might be His own and live under Him in His kingdom and serve Him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Even as He is risen from the dead, lives and reigns through all eternity. This is most certainly true. So we don't doubt the miracle of the resurrection or the meaning of it, but we certainly don't doubt the life-changing reality of the resurrection. Another pastor by the name of Tim Keller wrote the following. Easter pushes us beyond agreeing that Jesus is risen. It pushes you beyond believing that Jesus is risen. Easter says that Jesus is a living reality. It's not just knowing that He loves you. It's knowing His love. And I pray that beyond all else, you will know His love. Love which led Him to give His life, and still He bears those marks for us. So whatever happened to Thomas? To be sure, he knelt down and worshipped, as Scripture said. But whatever happened beyond that? Well, he is mentioned only one more time in the Scriptures, and that is in Acts chapter 1. But we're sure that he was there when Jesus was ascending into heaven, and he commissioned his disciples and said, You will be my witnesses. Witnesses to the resurrection in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Now this is not in the Scriptures, but one of the traditions is that Thomas went to India to proclaim the Gospel of Jesus Christ in India. And there in India, there's a hilltop outside of Chennai, India, that overlooks the city. And that's the place, according to tradition, that Thomas was martyred. Martyred at the point of a spear. And at the little basilica there, Upon every door is inscribed Thomas's immortal words, My Lord and my God. Thomas worshipped Jesus with those words and he proclaimed his witness. I believe with those same words so that the world might know that Jesus has died and risen. And he is our Lord and our God. He worshipped And he witnessed. There's a beautiful song that goes along with this gospel reading. The name of the song is This is Love. Nail-pierced hands, wounded side. This is love. This is love. The holy heart was sacrificed. This is love. This is love. I bow down to the Holy One. I bow down to the Lamb. I bow down to the Worthy One. 
I bow down to the Lamb. The Son of God died for us. This is love. This is love. He walked the hill. He bore the cross. This is love. This is love. So we do like Thomas. All doubts gone. All question marks taken away. For the, a life of worship and a life of witness. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.